Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance, and for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with words of liberation, empowerment, life, all that good stuff. <laughs> We're here to sow seeds of wisdom and to uh, promote a knowledge that's engaging and transforming. And every time we get on the air, is our goal, is our hope, is our responsibility to Empower you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Several ways you can do that. The primary way, you can call if you want to get your thoughts on the air, 347-237-5230. That is the number to call. Also, uh, well, the chat room is not working today, so the chat room is not up. But uh, you can go to the Facebook page, Zero Network, and uh, share your comments there also on the t- today's topic or any other topic that you want to share, any other show that's been archived. You're always welcome to do that. Follow us up on Twitter. The show handle is at Zero Radio on Twitter, and my pos- uh, my personal handle is at Prophesy. That's uh, P R O P H E P S I, as in Kappa Kappa Psi. Uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> also, uh, you can send us an email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. That is our email. So there's plenty of ways to join us and get your thoughts, insights, and opinions uh, to us. And we appreciate all that you've done. It is Wednesday, April the 13th, um, and it's a great day. Today, uh, across the great uh, African Methodist Episcopal Day is our Connectional Day of Prayer. So there are Thousands upon thousands of persons who are taking their time out to be an intercessory prayer for our leadership, for our members, and for our brothers and sisters across the world, both in the faith and not of the faith. So I just want to encourage you today, if you are, you ain't got to be AME, but if you are, uh, just uh, send up a prayer for someone uh, today, for our country today, for uh, just for your beloved brothers and sisters You ought to be doing that anyway But uh, today we have set aside This particular day April the 13th As our denomination goes to prayer So you're welcome to join the African Methodist Episcopal Church uh, For our Connectional Day of Prayer Got a good show lined up for you today I'm asking you the question um, What's the future of the church look like? Is the future of the church uh, trying for secular urban development. Uh, the question is, what happens when the church goes out of business? What happens to the building? Uh, can it be repurposed or should it be repurposed? And that's what we're going to be talking about today in light of some interesting news that happened to one of our sister churches 
in Indianapolis. So we're going to be talking about that. Uh, but before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy and your loving kindness that's better than life. We ask, God, that you bless this broadcast. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. This is our prayer in the name of the risen one. Amen. Well, today is the day, folks. Those of you who are basketball fans, particularly those of you who are Lakers fans, today is the day. It is the last game for Mr. Kobe Bryant. Today is the last game of the regular season for the Los Angeles Lakers, the team that he has spent the last 20 years with. And for some, it is a closure uh, to a terrific tenure in the National Basketball Association. To others, it is a closure to uh, uh, a season of of, of talent. Kobe is considered to be one of the last greats of basketball. He's up there with the the top of the top, the cream of the crop, and um, he suffered a lot. He's gone through a lot, of course. You know, he he made headlines for good and bad, but um, he's going out as a champion. I think they. I don't. I have not really liked the Lakers. I ain't gonna lie to you. I never really paid attention. I never really followed Kobe Bryant's career, so I'm not even going to fake the funk, but I know many who have and many uh, who, when he he was one of the few to first enter the NBA straight out of high school, that's how talented he was, led the league in so many things, and of course led his Lakers to, I think, six championships, uh, three with Shaquille. O'Neal, three uh, by himself. I don't know, but uh, so many people will be glued to their television stations to watch uh, his last game. And uh, this last, this entire season has been like his retirement tour. Uh, unlike most players who, you know, announce after a season, he announced before the season, and people have been turning out across the country to watch him play in his final NBA season. Um, now, I, I have, I have, you know, I, I do watch SportsCenter every now and then on ESPN. And, you know, the lackluster of this season, I think, is what's making it kind of uh, uh, boring, I guess. Um, the fanfare is going to Kobe, but because of injuries and, you know, he sat out a whole last season and now he's coming back. Um, he's not at the top of his game going out as some players have been. Um, you know, he, he he's performing, but he's not performing like Kobe Bryant. You know, he's not doing the star thing. But either way, 20 years in the league is more than what most players get. So we commend him for that. And if you're going to watch – yeah, I hope your heart isn't too broken when they lose. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I hope they win. Maybe if they win, they'll win for him, and he could say he went out as a champion. You know, you know, got enough rings. He, it's going to be comfortable and going to be lucrative. He can still do endorsements. He can still coach. He can, there's so many other things he can still do. He, I mean, he's not even 40 yet. So it's not like it's the end of his life. It's just the end of his professional career uh, as a player. And he has money. He could do like Jordan, you know. He may <laughs> – nah, I doubt he'd come back, you know. But but there, there are going to be plenty of more economic opportunities for him. You know, he'll be able to still do endorsements. And uh, now that he has revamped and re-imaged himself, repackaged himself, repurposed himself uh, as far as character-wise, you know, there's a lot more they can do. And I've not had, I've not heard him speak about his faith. Uh, maybe some of you have. I, I have not, but it'd be cool to, cool to see uh, how that, how that uh, turns out for him, how his future turns out. Could be Coach Bryant soon. Who knows? But he has, a, he has, he, he has had a wonderful career, very long tenured career. 
and we commend him and uh, pray for continued success as he gets ready to enjoy retirement. I wish I could do that. Yeah. I, I, wish, <laughs> I wish that pastoring provided the, the same tenure. You know, I, I, if it's like that, you know, I could retire too with the same tenure as, as Kobe, you know. <laughs> uh, but there's not, well, maybe there are as many professional hazards, uh, you know, as, as it's not physical, but it's definitely mental and emotional hazards when it comes to pastoring. And uh, most preachers don't retire till you know, they are forced to. And I still got plenty, plenty of time. I hope the Lord wills. I'm not looking forward to retiring anytime soon. And I hope I have something to retire to <laughs> and not just retire from. Anyway, I got a couple of interesting headlines. I was, I was on um, uh, the old black church website and I came across this very interesting very, very interesting uh, article that Ann Brock and her staff placed on the website there. And it's, here's the title. Rich church members give pastor a private jet for his birthday. Wow. According to the article, uh, the Miracle Arena for All Nations Church in Canada surprised their pastor, Dr. Kofi Danso, with a private jet to celebrate his birthday. Uh, the church was founded by him, uh, Danso, and his wife in 2011. That's just five years ago. Five years ago. I'm celebrating my fifth uh, anniversary at New Bethel. <laughs> but five years ago, he started the church, and five years later, they're blessing this guy. They're, they're purchasing a private plane. And the story further goes on to say that um, they intend, he intends to not hog the plane, but when they're not using it to uh, lease it out for someone else, hey, that, that that's all. That's how they that's how they will maintain it, <laughs> pay for it. Wow, I need members like that. Why can't Why can't I get members like that who will buy me a plane? <laughs> Creflo got his boy to buy him a sixty-five billion dollar plane. This pastor in Canada has. His church to buy him a plane. Man, I'm trying my best to get travel money. I, I got a travel budget. I have a budget for travel because I have to do a lot of it. Thanks being, uh, you know, good itinerant minister in the Amy Church. Got to go to all these meetings. But, <laughs> but man, buying a plane, that's, I can't fathom my members coming to you saying, Pastor Neil, we love you so much. We bought you a plane. Mind blown. That's all I can say. Mind blown. But, you know, uh, I'm in this group on Facebook uh, for pastors, and the question came up. A couple of came up. One was about honorariums, and the other was about uh, what is the meaning of double honor. And I'm thinking... After reading this, I'm thinking these guys, these cats didn't just do double on today. More power to you, Dr. Kofi. More power to you. Um, and, you know, that's the way they want to show uh, their appreciation to their pastor. More power to them. That's all I can say. More power to them. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, do you think that was that was uh, overdoing it? Do you think that they should have uh, let it go? Do you think they he deserved it? Well, we can't say that. We don't know what he deserved or he didn't deserve. But I can tell you this much. Whatever he didn't deserve, he got a plane for it. And that's all that matters to them. <laughs> oh, man. I love the church. I, I really do. I just wonder about it sometimes. Just wonder. Anyway, I think that's all about that's all the news. Oh yeah. Excuse me. One more thing before I get out of here, uh get to this heartbreak. Um I read a story where uh one church overseas, I want to say it was in Ireland, has banned Creflo Dollar from coming. Uh I'll see if I can find that story. But if not you can Google it and you'll find it for whatever reason they banned them from coming. To their church or 
to that country or whatever. It is what it is, huh? <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, speaking of banning, oh, well, I'll take this break and I'll be back. Uh, so when we come back from the break, um, we got more out outlash from this um, bill that was recently passed in Mississippi and that is current. There's another legislation that's being uh, debated in Louisiana that's similar. We'll talk a little bit about that before we get into um, the topic of the day. Uh, uh, churches being repurposed for urban development. So development. We'll talk about that. We're going to take this break. We'll be right back. social networking as much as you? Identity thieves. They can find your personal information and do some serious damage, like your birthday or your mother's maiden name. You need a new friend, LifeLock. We scour billions of data points every day. And if we discover that any of your personal information is misused, LifeLock is there. Call us at 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to LifeLock.com today. Are you a pastor who wish your sermons could be more interactive for your members? Well, thanks to mogulchurch.com, now you have that opportunity. Mogul Church is an interactive website that turns your sermons into something more. Matter of fact, it gives your sermons wings. It allows your members to interact with your sermons. They can go to your sermon or, or study series that you create and you place on the site. They can go there and they can interact with that. They can make their own notes and build their own library. And guess what? It's all free. I signed up for it and I've been fascinated by it. Even though I haven't had a lot of hits, I just like the idea. And everything about it is wonderful. You can build your own thing. You can load your sermon notes, manuscript, however you want to do an outline. And then you can create questions and they can respond to the questions. It's really cool. You ought to go to Mojo. MoGoChurch.com right now and sign up. And signing up is absolutely free. Creating the first four profiles or your first four sermon series and study outlines is absolutely free. And once you get past four, it's just a small fee for that home. I think it's a great thing. And uh, look, if you're like me, you want your legacy, your sermons to go beyond your pulpit, you ought to try this. Visit mogulchurch.com, sign up today, give your sermons wings. Suits today aren't like suits from yesterday. Part of it is the cut of today's suit. Short jacket, narrow lapel, moderate fit. But part of it is the cut of the man himself. Because today, it's not so much the brand of suit that defines the man as it is the brand of man who wears it. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee you. You know, millions of people are saved with Progressive, so I get invited to quite a few family gatherings. Heck, I saved Judith here a fortune with discounts like Safe Driver, Multicar, Paperless. You make a mighty fine Mrs. Milady. I'm not saying Mark's thrifty. Let's just say I saved him $519, and it certainly didn't go toward that ring. Am I right? <laughs> so visit Progressive.com today. I call this one the robot. At the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, I'm part of a place where I'm always challenged to do more. I am a part of a place where I can be involved. I'm a part of a place where everything is possible. I'm part of a place where champions are made. 
At the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, you can get an affordable education with competitive degree offerings, diverse student population, and stellar faculty. Become part of a place where you can get everything you need to succeed. Become a part of the pride at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. Welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Okay. Can I hear you? I can't hear anything out of my earphones. So I'm running blind here. I, I, let me see if I can. Uh, there, we there we go. Yeah. A little bit of echo there. <laughs> it's hard sometimes when, you know, working with technology is always hard. But anyway. We're back, and glad that you're joining us. If you're tuning in live, we appreciate you for tuning in. Uh, chat room is down, so you can't get to the chat room, but you can still call in 347-237-5230 uh, if you want to share your thoughts, uh, or hit me up uh, again on the Facebook page, Zero Network, or hit me up on Gmail, PastorRenzoNeal at gmail.com, those ways you can get to us. Also, I, I, I didn't put a plug in for my website, but um, visit LorenzoTNeal.com. Anyway, so before before the break, I said I said one talk briefly about um, the backlash that's happening from the recent passage and signing into law of uh, what is called the Freedom of Conscience Act. Uh, and a lot of people are calling it religious freedom uh, bills. Similar bills have been passed in Indiana more recently in North Carolina, here in Mississippi. Um, and Georgia passed it, but the governor vetoed it uh, under threat. Now, just overall, it sounds, anytime you hear the word religious freedom, it sounds like it's a good thing, uh, but in the context of these bills, uh, they are rather, dis- I'm not trying to say discriminatory, but, but they, they put a hamper on uh, authentic religious freedom by saying they're trying to protect religious freedom, uh, particularly not religious freedom, but uh, evangelical Christians uh, in particular, those who may oppose same-sex marriage. Um, it, the states are writing legislation, creating legislation, passing bills and making laws to protect them from uh, discrimination should they decide not to carry out uh, a same-sex function, marriage, or whatever it may be. And, 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 you know, while I can understand being a conscientious objector to those things, uh, it's just not necessary to me. Uh, Louisiana state legislature is currently debating it, and I was able to watch their debate, uh, the hearing um, the other day, um, Regarding what they're calling the Pastor Protection Act. And again, it's designed to protect pastors from uh, legal legal retraction should something happen if they deny, they decide to deny uh, services, their services, to same sex, the gender loving person. I don't even know how to say it anymore, <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, the reality is, the reality is that it's really not necessary, but that's just me. So, if you're in the state of Louisiana and you're listening, uh, contact your your local state representative and your state senator, and let them know what you think. I had a copy of the of the bill sent to me by one of the state representatives, um, and again, while I think the intent is noble. It's, you know, we're treading very dangerous ground. That's just me. We're treading very, very dangerous ground when we begin to try to facilitate what we believe. Uh, Something that hadn't even, well, 
Let me let me get out there. But anyway, always vote your conscience. You know, don't let your conscience, don't give in the pressure, you know. Uh, I'm hoping that our church will deal with this in a manner as I'm sure it's going to come forward, but I hope we uh, are willing to have grown-up conversation about it and not speak from places of fear, but speak from places of love as Christ commanded us to and find a way to um, find common ground. In this in this matter, it's very detrimental to the church. It grieves me. It grieves me that there are some who are so so blinded by uh, the idea of uh, same sex loving people. They're blinded by that that they're letting that overrule their love and their their faith. And that's how I see it. But uh, hey, what do I know? I'm just a preacher. Anyway, so that's my uh, two-bit sense about that. <sighs> getting into the topic, for the, <laughs> getting into the topic for the day. Uh, is the future of the church urban rebuild, urban development? Uh, you, we, if, if you've been around church long enough, you know that for for most startup churches. We call them storefront churches, you know, whether they start a storefront or not. But most churches uh, in the contemporary age started in the, you know, uh, what we would call a storefront. They repurposed something, another building. There have been churches that have repurposed bars and turned them into, converted them into churches. They repurposed stores and converted them into churches. We have churches here that have reconverted. Uh, repurposed uh, shopping centers and converted them into worship spaces, and you know, and the idea of a traditional building is becoming less and less uh, popular. As people, as pastors, or you know, they're still building grandiose buildings, and that's nothing new. But more, more and more churches are finding spaces to repurpose, especially those smaller churches. But what happens when the church closes its doors? There are statistics that say at least 7,000 pastors walk away from the church. Uh, and probably as many, uh, about, let's just assume, and, and this is a general, you know, maybe about 3,500 of those started their own church. And they start their own church, and when they leave the ministry, the church closes its doors. What happened to the building? What happens to that building, especially if they, you know, if they have repurposed it from something else? Does it go back to being, if it was a, a, a store, does it go back to being a store? If it was a, a club, does it go back to being a club? What happens to those buildings? What happens to the traditional type church buildings that we know of when they close their doors? Here recently, uh, a Catholic church here in the city of Jackson, had to close down its doors. And it's a beautiful Gothic-style building uh, in South Jackson. And because of so much of, you know, there's a lot of damage to the building itself, and it was not able to be maintained. So the the, uh, diocese decided to close it down. Um, But if you're not aware... There's a trend that's happening, not only here in the United States, but also across the waters in the Europe, where a lot of churches have been closing down. Matter of fact, as as, as you probably know, in Europe, uh, more and more people are, uh, are leaving the church, leaving the faith of Christianity, which leave, is leaving a lot of their buildings empty. Recently, we, I was at a meeting in... Um, Atlanta, and one of our bishops um, was discussing as he was proclaiming, as he was bringing a message during the meeting, stated that he had spent some time traveling in Europe, and he was amazed by the wonderful cathedrals that he saw in Europe that were empty, no worshipers. As a matter of fact, most of them 
were now treated as museums, ancient relics. People were paying to tour a church. People were paying money to tour a church where people used to worship. There were also churches, beautiful buildings that had been repurposed. And believe it or not, some have been repurposed churches and bars and pubs. And he was amazed. He said that he was amazed at the fact that he could visit and see these great buildings and see where the inspiration for some of the grandest cathedrals here in the United States came from, only to see them as nothing more than tourist attractions. And it's a sad state. It's a sad state for that. But what if that was to happen here in the state? What 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 if that was to happen here in the states? Well, it is happening. As more churches close their doors, unfortunately, they're leaving spaces. Sometimes they can go uh, unmanaged for years, and eventually. They become, you know, they get sold and they get developed into something else. This just happened uh, this, just this week with Bethel AME Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Bethel is, the, is a very historic church. It's uh, believed to be the first uh, African uh, uh, church uh, in Indiana. At least in Indianapolis It was in a historic neighborhood That was once populated By blacks And uh, it was a great neighborhood And uh, it was one of the host churches For our annual our General conference that was held In uh, Indianapolis In 2004 But you know A once thriving congregation Of thousands dwindled down To little more than 100 people Maybe 150, and they found it very taxing to be able to to maintain the property. And even though the property was designated as a landmark historic property, uh, they could not raise. I believe it was about two million dollars that was needed to to kind of keep the building and keep it going. And although they had GoFundMe account, they had building fund, you know, they had the they had the regular things and they had some uh, very wealthy donors helping them out. They were not able to raise the sufficient amount uh to keep it keep it open. And so uh board of trustees along with the pastor, uh along with the conference that the church is the church is in and uh, has decided to close the church. But the church will not be lost, the building, because the, a company has has bought the building and uh, the adjacent parking lot, I believe, and uh, things of that nature, whatever else, they bought that and they have planned to repurpose the building as an apartment complex. I'm not sure how they're going to do it. I, I, I didn't get the specifics. But anyway, they are repurposing it for uh, to be an apartment. Uh, apartment building And uh, According to the sale uh, The facade of the church will remain So it's still going to look like Bethel Church But on the inside there will be tenants And this this is nothing new There, there, uh, there There's a trend that's been Happening lately Where churches have been converted into homes And we say that the church Is the house of God So the question is when the people live when the people leave the building, does God still stay in the building? You know, and I know some will probably say, Well, of course he stays in the building. There's always gonna be a church. Once a church, always a church. Well, I've seen people convert funeral homes into a church. <laughs> uh gymnasiums, you know, or auditoriums, high school or school auditoriums in a church. Or 
here in, in, in Mississippi, we had church worshiping in movie theater. Uh, they didn't repurpose it to movie theater. So they still have movies before movies start. Anyway, the trend of urban development or the church buildings becoming urban development. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Uh, is it something that some churches that are struggling need to look into? Should churches, should those pastors and those members with 15 people and they have this enormous building that that's just taking up space and they're not paying, they're not, you know, the, the city isn't really benefiting from it. The county may not be benefiting because, again, they're tax-free. They're not paying any money uh, on the taxes. Uh, then, you know, they may be paying, uh, if they own property, they may be paying property taxes on the property that they own, but not the, the church building itself. And, and think about these churches that have acres, that sit on acres of land, these mega churches. What happens when they, what happens when that? Think about Joel Osteen's church. Remember now, Joel Osteen, Lakewood Church in Houston, they bought their basketball arena. What happens if that church closes down? What happens if, if Joel Osteen said, well, I'm leaving the ministry today, and I'm really happy for you, and I, I want you to be happy for me, but you can't come to the church anymore. What's going to happen? Will, some, will, will the NBA consider purchasing that back from them? Will they make money? How would you? What happens when a church closes down, when it closes its doors? I know because I'm part of uh, our, our conference trustees, and we deal with a lot of property issues. You know, we have a lot of churches that, I, we have one church at one time that only had three members, three loving. They didn't want to see the legacy of their, their, their ancestors cl- shut down. But they were all senior, and they were doing their best to maintain just the house, basically, you know, the church building. Uh, they really weren't able to pay their their conference claims, as we call it here in the Methodist Church. They weren't able to do that. They were doing such a great job just maintaining the legacy. But the building itself, it you know, it was it was not. And when one of the three died, eventually the the other two succumbed, and. Basically, the church had we had to decide what we're we going to do with this. You know, we can't send the pastor. Well, we can't send the pastor there. There's no one. And, and actually, a bishop did send the pastor saying, "Well, go build and make a church." And, well, where the person where the church was located in a rural area, that was highly unlikely. You know, people were not going to be flocking to the middle of nowhere to go to church. You know, not probably. 30, 40 years ago, they may have done that, but not today, when they could find a church easily in the urban area. Anyway, so the church closed down. It was on a nice set of pop, uh, piece of property, and there were some who were still arguing, well, you know, don't sell it. We need to keep it, you know. But we ended up selling it and making, uh, you know, profiting from it, and it benefited the, the church, our, our conference benefit the AB church. Uh, it's hard to do sometimes. There 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 are people who see the building and hold and cherish the building as much as they cherish their faith. Uh there's a reason why a lot of churches don't merge. You know, uh, we had that problem in the Amy church and I'm sure uh other connectional churches like ours where you have churches right up the road from each other that could do better as one congregation, but they're pitted against each other and they don't want to, and so they continue to struggle. Anyway, I'm saying all of this because while in doing my research, I I looked and I saw across the country some beautiful edifices uh, that are now even more beautiful homes. There's a church that was that's in uh, Brooklyn that was converted. It, it was a uh, that was that had a long legacy and was doing well until eventually uh, one of the persons, uh, one of the last living persons, passed away. 
and uh, the the son or daughter of that person decided that they were going to keep the building, but they just repurposed the building. They repurposed it into a uh, an apartment complex, and I think they had like three or four lofts that they rented, and then they had an an atrium area that they were going to lease out to businesses, but that didn't pan out. You know that that didn't work out, and so what they did is they leased the atrium area to another church. Now the tenants were informed that uh, that the atrium would be leased out for profit businesses, uh, you know, or to whoever would be willing to who could do it. And well, the church ended up being leasing it, and uh, now the and now the tenants sued the church and the owner saying, you know, they didn't want a church there. They did. Even though it was the church, they are living in a church building. They did not want a church to be in the church building. And so they sued the church and the owner of the building for allowing the church to move into the building, to release the space. And that's, you know, those are the kind of things that I, uh, I wonder about when you repurpose a building like this, you know, when you repurpose a church building and you convert it into houses or you convert it into office space, you know, is is the sacredness sacredness of that space lost? While it may there are a lot of churches that have been converted into houses, that have been converted into office spaces, that have been converted and repurposed for other things that you know maintain the beauty the ambience of the building, but the sacredness of the space has been lost. You know? and it's a good concern. It's a concern for me, and I don't know how it is for some people. It's a concern for me. I, I wonder. I, I understand that we get to the point that we all lose. We all, uh, in churches, you know, some, for for mainline churches, I'm, I'm just speaking for mainline churches. Uh, traditional denominational churches are on the decline. We're seeing people leave, and people are leaving because, for whatever reason, I'm sure there are variables in that. But we're suffering, and we're leaving these buildings—great, beautiful buildings—we're leaving them vacant, and become they become. Uh, Sore spots in the neighborhood. And if you go to many urban areas, you'll see, especially downtown, you know, that's where most of a lot of the churches are. They're, they're, you know, uh, Gothic buildings, the big buildings, they're downtown. And, uh, you see those, the, you see how the downtown, the hub builds around them, build around the churches. It's not like that anymore, but you're not going to. It's it's more unlikely. No, I take that back because you go to some larger metropolitan areas, you will see that you'll see uh, shopping centers being being built around uh, larger church buildings, and and find some way they find a way they they develop some type of symbiotic commercial existence. You know, the church is benefiting from the uh, the shopping center, which is benefiting from the church because people leave the church, they probably go eat at the restaurant by the shopping center or shop in the stores of the shopping center, or the people coming to the shopping center might see the church and decide to drop in. You know, it's that it's a weird type of symbiotic relationship. Um, but it's not the, that's not the case in most places. It's not the case. In a lot of the uh, urban spaces, uh, the and the when I speak of urban, I'm not talking about the downtown part. I'm talking about where most of the uh, darker skinned persons live, where people of color live. You don't find the mega churches there. You don't find you find churches that are landlocked. You find churches like mine that that has just a little bit of land. But it can't expand, you know. They're, they're cramped, and if they grow, 
they can't expand on that property, so they eventually have to leave from where they are and go somewhere else and build. You know, if they're lucky to find spot land in the same area where there is, that's a wonderful thing. But most times, if they're landlocked, they can't. You know, they they can't. And I, I, I drive around the city here, Jackson, and I see a lot of these churches that are just literally landlocked. I'm wondering, they have just enough parking spaces for their members and nothing else. And then I think about what happens when they close. What happens when the members say, well, you know, neighborhood is getting too bad. We just need to shut the church down. What, what's going to happen to the church? Well, in areas like that, uh, there's always another church that's going to try to jump up and buy the building. But nine times out of ten, you know, that doesn't last. And they end up moving out also. And you see a, a, a turnover rate. And eventually, the building, you know, wears down, is not well maintained, and becomes a sore on the community. Gets vandalized, things of that nature. I think we need to reconsider. I think as pastors, especially if you planted your own church, if you planted a church, you need to have enough vision to think about succession for you, for one. What happens? What's going? On? Who's going to take leadership if something happens to you? Not 20 years down the line, but what if it happens five years down the line? You need to think about succession like that. But there, you also need to think about uh, what happens to the congregation if we lose the building that we're in, if something happens to the building that we're in. You know, if we have to close down, what's going to happen? What kind of, what's our plan of action? And I know it's hard to think about sometimes, but I think that's what we should think about that. We should start thinking about that. It's something you should consider. Really are. Or if you're in an area where you see development happening, uh, I, I'm seeing uh, we have a, a church now that what apartments are being sprung up. You know they're being built around this historic church here, and it's a great thing, great thing because that means uh, you the 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 way the way it is, it's going to have a wonderful. You know, it's it's not not in the hood, but still in a historic area that will draw. It's almost a bit of gentrification because it's going to draw some of those uh, white persons. You know, people of color. Uh, you know, white persons are going to come and live in these apartments. And others might be. You know, some blacks might be able to afford it. I mean, it, it is what it is. I'm just telling the truth, but. That church is also maximizing the development for its members. It's, it's helping the members understand and helping the members communicate that to those the neighborhood that they are not lost in this process. As the development is going up, you know, they're not the people who were there before still in the shotgun houses. They're not forgotten. They're not trying to be forced out. It may it's going to impact them, yes, but in the process of impacting them, they can be empowered. That's a good thing. That's what we should do. Uh, urban development is not going to stop. And I use New York as an example, particularly Harlem and some places in Brooklyn where the idea where gentrification is is big. But people are coming in to these historic neighborhoods and the buildings and churches in particular that, that have closed down, they're repurposing them. And they're not repurposing them for spiritual reasons. They're repurposing them for profit. And it's not diminishing the neighborhood. It's, it's kind of enhancing it. As far as the economic development facet of it, you know, it is it is enhancing it. But again, we're talking about sacred space here. It's it's sacred space, and 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 when it's being repurposed and uh, reidealized, reimagined, it loses the sacredness of it. Now I'm glad, I'm very very glad and grateful that. Uh, the trend is not like that in Europe where the churches are being turned into bars 
or museums. But they are being repurposed for housing. That's a good thing. But, but it is what it is. Well, I, I'm just about to run out. I've run my mouth long enough. <laughs> can you believe that? I don't think I can run my mouth so long sometimes either. But I'm going to have to cut it short uh, a little bit today. I want to appreciate you for uh, tuning in today. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to comment, I, I, if you want to come in again, you can always go to the Facebook page, Zero Network, like that page, and uh, you can share your comments under the the, um, the topic for the day. You can do that. Also, you can hit me up on email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. Um, you can do that and share your dialogue. You can send suggestions there also. We'd love to do that. Uh, visit my website, LorenzoTNeal.com, and order your copy of my book, A Breach in the Family. If you haven't done so, get to uh, do that. It's been surprising me. Uh, every now and then, I, I get the the, not the the royalty. I'm like, wow, I didn't realize people actually were buying it. <laughs> no, but I appreciate everything that you guys do uh, to help the show be what it is. We've been going for six years strong, and uh, I'm grateful to you. So um, we're going to go ahead and call it the day. And we appreciate you for tuning in. We'll be back next week as the Lord wills. We want you to tune in. And uh, we want to thank you for listening and helping make this show great every chance you get. So anyway, you can always catch up with archive shows. Simply go, uh, again, the Zero Network on uh, Facebook. Uh, you can download uh, podcast on iTunes so you can listen all the way back to 2011. However you choose to do it, we got it for you and you're always welcome to tune in to us and let us know how we're doing. We appreciate it so much but until next week this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal I'm going to get on out of here. You guys have a wonderful week and remember today is our Connectional Day of Prayer say a prayer for somebody. Say a prayer for me. Say a prayer for yourself. Your mama, daddy everybody. Everybody, somebody is standing in need of prayer so take a few moments just to go to the Lord on their behalf we're glad that you're tuning in to us. It's Pastor Lorenzo Neal out. I'm out God bless you. Keep you.